This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. Well, good morning. Happy New Year. How are those uh, New Year's resolutions coming? It's been a whole week, seven days. Have you made it so far? I've, I've always struggled with New Year's resolutions. I think it's a matter of willpower. But I, I've thought in terms of, you know, getting in shape and eating right and getting organized, reducing clutter, just all kinds of good, healthy things over the course of the past few decades I've been alive. And, and repeatedly, I've, I've had issues with getting distracted and all those good intentions just kind of falling to the wayside. I have a, a pile of dusty weights at home. You know, I've got, had workout equipment that's turned into a clothes rack more than a useful device. And, and like, as far as eating healthy, I mean, it goes okay until I go down the bread aisle and then get to the snack cakes and the fruit pies. And then just, you should, here's my advice. Never shop for groceries hungry. It's a bad idea, but I do. And it's to my detriment sometimes. We, when we come to milestones, we, we, we get this, this sudden urge to get things better than they were before. Have you, have you noticed that when you get to a birthday and you think, oh man, I'm not getting younger. I've got to make some changes. You get to one of those big round birthdays and you go, oh no, I really got to do something. We get to a new year and think, wow, things really got to start just changing some things. And we have these, these personal kinds of, of decisions that we make about resolutions and, and, and the way that we're going to, to turn our lives around. And what I've come to conclude about the difficulty that I have, maybe it's the same with you, is that all those things depend on me. I'm the weak link here in this, in this scenario. And uh, when we think about changes that need to take place in our lives spiritually, the good news is that, that we have help in this, that it's not solely dependent on us. When we think about changes that need to take place in our lives in terms of our relationship with the Lord, we have a divine source of, of strength and power and guidance that sustains us and, and, and expands where our willpower is lacking, this, this confidence. This uh, reminder, this presence of the Holy Spirit to guide us and keep us on the right path. It's a wonderful thing to know that when I make commitments to the Lord, yes, I still have to make those decisions myself. Yes, I still have to be faithful and follow through. But I can have greater confidence in fulfilling those commitments because I know that God is helping me through them. Now, last week, we we had a a great talk about uh, reset in terms of the new year. We talked about things that... God accomplished in 2023 here at Parkview, people's lives that have been changed, uh, things that have been fulfilled and accomplished in the course of the year. And then we started to talk about 2024 and things coming up. And I invited you to think about your, your commitment to the Lord, your relationship with the Lord, your, your practice of your faith. And I invited you to make some commitments. And there, we had responses writing on your cards. People talked to me after church. Wonderful, wonderful commitments that you're making. I want to encourage you in those commitments. I want, I want to remind you of, of how God will empower those in you and those commitments and help you fulfill them as you continue to follow him and as you surrender to his guidance in your life. I also want to help you personally in that. So our series that we're beginning today is called Holy Habits. 
about like decisions, small decisions we make that lead us into the life that God has for us, a bigger life outside of ourselves, sustained by Him. And what I want to talk to you about is the, the deliberate things that you and I are choosing to do, the commitments that we're making to the Lord in terms of our relationship with Him, living out our faith, and growing in, in the spiritual aspect of our lives. Not necessarily the, the healthy habits, the physical things, but, but to think about the spiritual things. And most of those commitments we're making are, are about the disciplines of, of our relationship with God, about Bible study and prayer, and all the faithful kinds of things that we know we should do, and we have good intentions about doing, but sometimes those things get left in the wayside. And so our series that we're beginning today is, yes, it's about the importance of those individual things, but what I want to talk about is how we implement them in our lives. And so we're going to begin talking today about prayer, and we're going to continue through this series talking about the, the means of these commitments we're making to the Lord, about implementing them and sustaining them in our lives. And so we'll begin talking today about communicating with God and recognizing how prayer strengthens our relationship with God, how, how prayer is the, the means of communication that our, our healthy relationship with God is built on. Every healthy relationship depends on, on strong communication. Now, married couples, you know that the health of your marriage depends on communicating with your spouse when you're not open and honest, when you hesitate to share your thoughts and feelings. It creates barriers in, rela- in your relationship. When you have a good friend, a friend that you confide in, that you, you spend time with, and you share openly about the things that are going on in your life. And then you have a time where you're apart, a time where you're not communicating. And you get back together and you think, oh, we'll just, we'll just pick right back up where we left off. And you start sharing. And, and it, it feels different because that communication, there's been, there's been the, a, a gap. And, and it's set things back. Parents with your kids, you, you, you want to have this strong level of of, of communication, of, of talking about life and letting them ask questions and, and learn from your experience. But what happens? There's this hesitancy. There's this, this fear of pushing people away and, and maybe some mistakes that have happened in the way you've communicated. And, and now things aren't as easy and, and, and it's work to build things back up. When we think about our relationship with God, prayer is the means of, of opening up the lines of communication with God. It is a process by which we, we strengthen our relationship with Him, and, and we need to recognize the value that comes in our lives as we open up the doors of our heart, as we open up our minds, we open up and genuinely share with God about what we think and what we feel, genuinely share with God in relationship with Him, and see the growth that takes place as we're, we're more intimately connected with him. The, the hard part about this is that sharing openly about our thoughts and feelings, about uh, the circumstances of life, about the difficulties that we encounter, about the joys that are there, it's, it's a, level, a level of vulnerability that we're not always comfortable with. It's a level of vulnerability that we struggle with in life, of allowing people to see the, the real me of vocalizing things that we're worried people might judge us about. And where we struggle in our relationships of of being genuine and true, we see how it's detrimental. When we come before the Lord, we carry with us that hesitancy 
And, and here's the ridiculous part. God knows us. He knows our thoughts. He knows the inner workings of our hearts. He knows the motives behind our actions. And yet still, when we come before him in prayer, we have a hard time admitting the reality of who we are. And some of that's because we, we've spent so much time layering up a facade of what we want people to believe about us, that when it comes time to, to, to pray and open up to God, it takes a while for us to peel back the layers of fakeness that we've built around our lives so that we can genuinely pour out our hearts before the Lord and, and grow and, and see God mold us and shape us because we're not holding anything back. That's the goal of our, of our prayer life is to build this, this strong relationship with the Lord and see how we become more like him, more faithful through the process of that, that communication. So today we're going to talk about two specifics uh, in terms of how we implement a, a strong prayer life in the Lord. And we're not going to deal with them right away, but I just want to let you know what they are so when we get to them, you'll, you'll be ready. The first is uh, dedicated time that we spend in prayer to the Lord. And the second is developing a, a continual conversation of prayer with God, that throughout our experience, throughout our day, we would just, just be talking, sharing with the Lord, and, and living in His presence. And so that's, that's what, what we're going to get to. The first, we're going to learn about the meaning of prayer and how God uses prayer to grow us. And growth in our relationship with God comes as we open up our hearts genuinely to Him. And that growth is produced as our lives come into alignment with Him. And this is the way God begins working when we share ourselves, that He draws us in. And He draws the aspects of our lives that are frayed and frazzled and separate. And as we open up and as we continue this process of prayer, we find ourselves understanding more about him and understanding about more about who he wants us to be. And we bring our lives, he brings our lives more into alignment through that process of open prayer. Growth in our relationship with God is produced as, as maturity and our spiritual capacity is deepened. Now, I'd love to say we do that when we, when we pray, but, but God, God builds maturity in us. God deepens our spiritual capacity through his presence. And, and when, we, when we step into the presence of God, figuratively, because he's always with us. When we come to this place where we're spending, spending time with, with nothing distracting us from his presence, but dedicated to it, we see how he's, he's growing us and deepening us and, and, and developing maturity in us. Growth in our relationship with God is produced as our attitudes and thoughts become more of a reflection of his attitudes and thoughts. How there's, there's less of, the, the, of us and more of him. And our lives reflect him, and he's, he's molding us and shaping us to become more and more of who he is. Now, Jesus provides to us an incredible example of what prayer should be for us. So we're going to walk through a couple of passages, learning from the example of Jesus. The first example that Jesus provides to us is just his, his normal process of life. As he traveled and spoke to crowds, as he worked with his disciples and taught them about ministry and, and, and empowered them and invited them to be a part of this, this incredible thing he was doing. Jesus had this practice. It's, it's mentioned in Luke chapter 5. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It, it was a normal part of his routine that in the midst of performing miracles and talking to crowds and doing, doing big things, he would then retreat away from those crowds. 
he would get alone and spend time with God the Father and just talk with him. What, what an example to us that, that, that Jesus very intentionally provided, reminding us of how important it is for us to step back away from the spotlight, to, to remove ourselves from the, 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 the noise and confusion and the, the, the self-centeredness of being a part of a crowd so that we can be alone and get away. And, and notice that, that when he was traveling with his disciples, he would often withdraw even from them to be alone and pray with God. And, and as valuable as family time is, your relationship with God depends on you being willing to take time away to, to connect with God. And that time is also a very powerful example to your family of how important your relationship with God is to you. And what you'll find is that when you genuinely follow that pattern, it will help the process of it becoming their pattern as well. Example matters. Now, Jesus had this process in his life, and, and as, as Jesus neared the cross, we see how he used that prayer time. There's just a few examples of, of prayers of Jesus that, that we get to learn from. And one of them is in the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus was preparing to fulfill his mission on earth. We learn from what it is to, to go before the Lord and, and share our thoughts and feelings and, and find a place of submission to the will of God. The story is uh, found in Matthew chapter 26. I just want to read a portion of it to you. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you? Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. And he went back again and found the disciples sleeping, and a third time went and prayed before the Lord. And, and what we see in this process is this example of Jesus showing us that when we seek the will of God, it will require from us consistent, diligent times of prayer. It will require from us a, an openness, a vulnerability in which we are willing to be real and true and allow God to deal with what's there. Now notice Jesus as he was heading to the cross. Vocalize some of the feelings that were present within him about the cup of suffering that he was going to have to drink, to endure. And he said, God, if, it's, if there's any other way, let that other way happen. But I'm still willing to follow your will, still willing to endure all this. And he submitted wholly to the plan that was in place, his mission on earth. But he was unafraid to acknowledge the, the feelings he had about it before the Lord. That's such a powerful example to us when we come before God and we think, wow, I don't want to make God mad. I don't want to... I don't want to 
I don't want God to realize how weak I am. I don't want God to know how hard all of this, this church stuff is for me. God, God already knows. And what he's waiting for is for you to come to a place where you can finally open up your heart enough to deal with those things that you're trying to hide from him. Because he can deal with them. He is powerful enough to deal with them. He loves you enough to deal with them and help you through them. But, but the hard part is for you to come to a place where you're willing. We read other passages in Scripture that, that remind us of, of the significance of what prayer does for us. When, when Paul wrote his letters to churches, he talked a lot about the, the significance of prayer for the believers in those places. The letter to the Philippian church. Uh, he talked about what it, what it would mean for the believers to devote themselves to prayer and spoke about the way God works in the lives of people when we submit to him in prayer. Philippians chapter 4, these are Paul's words. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Think of the encouragement of what Paul's saying to the believers there. His encouragement is focused on the godly attitudes that fill us, the, the, godly, the godly peace that, that, that replaces our natural reaction when we encounter difficulty in life, when we encounter circumstances that are out of our control, And we're feeling anxious about those. We surrender that to God. He provides to us a peace. A peace that we can't begin to understand, but it's there. When we feel powerless, helpless against the things that are happening that we wish weren't happening, and we surrender those things to God, he provides strength for us to endure those difficult things. When we feel alone, facing hardship and tragedy, and we surrender that to the Lord, he reminds us of his presence that was already there. He opens our eyes to the fact that he is willing to walk with us through any and everything that we encounter. And that as we walk through it, his strength and his peace are available. They have been available. And as we depend on him, what, what, what happens is the relationship we have with him is strengthened. As, as we talk to him through the process and we open our lives up, we open up the lines of communication. He is developing us and growing us through that process. And it's exactly the way he intends for us to move through life. Not, not just enduring one difficult thing after another but allowing those difficulties to bring us to a place of dependence on him, of surrender to him, where he has access to our hearts in a way that we don't normally allow him so that he can bring about real change. Have you ever, have you ever watched someone you care about go through something difficult? Have you ever had a really good friend who was struggling? Maybe their parents were getting divorced. Maybe they were getting divorced. Maybe, maybe they had a loss in the family. And as a, as a friend, you, you just wanted to, to step into the situation 
and provide them guidance and help them get through it. But, but you realize that imposing yourself in that difficult situation would have created more difficulty and maybe even damaged your relationship with them. And so you, you had to make a difficult decision to step back and wait for them to invite you in and wait for them to, to share with you what it is that they're going through. Have you ever watched your kids go through something tough? You struggle to fit in, have their heart broken. And as a parent, you know how to help them. You want them to learn from your experience. You, you want to you, you wanna help set things straight. But with kids, you know, the more you push, the farther sometimes you push them away. So you have to step back and wait for them to be ready to talk. You have to wait for them to, to open up and give you access. Maybe, maybe you've watched your spouse struggling with real difficulty. You have this helpless feeling, wanting to take care of the problem. But the first thing you've learned through years of marriage is that all you need to do is listen. You shouldn't try and fix it. You just need to be there to listen. The second thing you've learned is that you can't listen until they're ready to talk. So you step back and wait. Can you imagine the patience of God? who from heaven is looking into your life, seeing the difficulty that you are encountering, is watching, struggle, and he's waiting for you to turn to him. He's waiting for you to open up the lines of communication. He's waiting for you to to seek him out so that he can provide peace for you as you Navigate this so that he can provide you the strength to continue on. So that he can remind you that he's there and he's never left. The incredible patience of God. And we learn from that. We learn the value of what it is to turn to God now, to, to grow in our dependence of him, to not think we have to solve our problems on our own. We don't have to, we don't have to fix everything before we get to God. What we need to do is, is turn to him right now and reach out to him and invite him in and begin sharing the difficulty and how we feel about that difficulty and say, God, I don't know what to do and discover how much he wants to help us, how much we can count on him to sustain us and provide for us. As soon as we stop trying to do it on our own and we accept the help that he has to provide. He allows us to determine how deep that connection will be. He allows us to determine when we're ready for him to intervene and care for us through the things that we encounter. It's a powerful lesson for us to always be talking to God and opening up our hearts and minds to Him. The brother of Jesus talked about the importance of talking to God in anything and everything we face. James chapter 5, 
beginning verse 13 says, is, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In any and every circumstance that we face in life, we should be driven by a desire to talk to God. It should be our first response. Like, oh, I, I need to talk to God about this. To confide in Him, seek His guidance, to find advice, to ask for strength and for healing, for peace. God wants for us to open our lives up to Him in prayer. And when we do, what we find is that God continually draws us into his presence through prayer. This, this, this means of opening up the lines of communication and talking to God will continually draw us into his presence and grow us through that encounter. But it requires consistent, continual seeking of God's presence, communicating with him as we develop a, an ongoing relationship an ongoing conversation with him. Where we continually grow, living in his presence. Now, this, this is a difficult part for us. It's because we, we associate God's presence with, with religious things. We come to church and we encounter God's presence. We praise him together and we go to lunch. And we, we feel like we're leaving God's presence here when we leave this place. Or maybe we have a, a, a very particular place where we do our, our devotional time and we feel God's presence as we connect to him. And then we leave and go to work. And we feel like we've left God's presence behind and gone into this place where God's presence is not. And, and we behave differently in those places. But what we, what, we, what we discover through continual prayer is that God's presence is, is, a, is with us always, is his dwelling spirit. And everywhere we go, every conversation we have, he's a third party. And, and what, what learning to have a, a continual conversation with God does is it changes our perspective about life. That there's nothing hidden from God. We know that's true. He sees all, he knows all. But what we discover through continual prayer is that we appreciate having God there. And our life is different in a good way. When we talk and act and think like God is right there. It produces the best in us and in our relationships. And, and it helps us to be faithful and to live according to the will of God and the kingdom of God. And it's what God desires for us. When Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, he, he, said, he said this, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will for us is to be continually connected to him, reminded of his presence through the process of prayer. And then we remain in his presence. And so the first thing that I want to talk to you about is this, this development of a, an open conversation with God that, that never ends. And it, it feels a little strange when you start trying it out because 
most of us learned how to pray in a very formal way where we would address God, oh dear Heavenly Father, and we would close that time of prayer in the name of Jesus, amen. And so our prayer time is a very specific, dedicated monologue with a formal ending and a formal beginning. When we develop a conversational life of prayer, we begin our morning with an opening of that prayer. Morning, God. It's so, such a great day. The sun's shining, I'm breathing. And as we encounter things, we share what we're feeling about those things with God. I'm really tired today, God. I hope I don't say anything in an angry way. My coffee's horrible today, God. I did a terrible job with that. This conversation I'm about to have, I know it's going to be a hard one, God. Can you help me through this? And, and we just pepper God with, with the thoughts that we're having as they come into our brain. And what we discover as we share those things with God is that our, our thought life is elevated because the things we think and vocalize are things worthy of saying out loud to God. And it helps address some of those thoughts we have that we know aren't worthy. It helps us recognize that God is with us as, as a constant companion, walking with us through the details of life and willing to support us and guide us and empower us through those things so that we can grow in Him. And while that's always true, having that conversation opens our perspective to accept that truth and live according to it. And it's a very wonderful thing. And as we continue in this process, we live a very worshipful experience, existence. As we, as we grow in this habit of talking to God and including him in our lives and in our details, our conversations, our relationships, all the things that we say and do, God then is a part of because we've invited him in. We continue this open dialogue with him, this open conversation as we just keep talking to him about our day and everything that happens. It's a very important way to bring all the aspects of our lives into alignment with him. And that's what prayer does. It, 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 it brings all those fragmented pieces, all those different aspects of who we are, all those different, different shades of our personality, all back together under his sovereign control, under his authority, according to the kingdom. And, and the value that, that comes from that is that it helps us recognize the power of the work of Christ that's, who's gone before us to sit at the right hand of, of God, to, to give us confidence to approach the throne and talk to God as our Father, to share with Him like we would our own dad and seek His guidance and help for the things that we encounter in life. The prayer brings our lives into alignment with, with the Lord by, by turning our hearts and minds to him, turning them away from all the things that we're interested in so that we can discover the things that he wants us to discover in life, to turn away from our own will and desires and decisions so that we can begin seeking out his will and discovering what he has in store for our lives. It, it's a change that, that helps us understand his thoughts and his ways so that we can live according to them. And our understanding grows and deepens when we commit significant time alone with the Lord. It's the second way that we need to grow in our application of a commitment to pray. 
that we would choose to dedicate uninterrupted time to the Lord, to set aside time that's just for him. And all of us are different. We all have different patterns and routines. Maybe, maybe your time with God in prayer is best done in the morning because you're a morning person. I don't know how you do it, but you do. And so that time is, is perfect for you. You're up before anybody else and you can spend time with God. Maybe you aren't even awake until your third cup of coffee. And so you know morning prayer time is going to be an absolute waste for you. Maybe evening is the best time for you to pray. But maybe you struggle falling asleep halfway through your prayers and you wake up in the morning going, I think I was talking to God a minute ago. No, I slept through the night. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Maybe you need to find a time like right after work, or right after school, where you can dedicate, where nobody else is home yet, and you can spend time talking to the Lord. Maybe lunch is great for you. You can eat quickly, and you've got 45 minutes to spend with the Lord. Your dedicated time might be different than anybody else's, but as long as it fits your routine, and you can make it a permanent part of your life, do it. You might need to set a, a, an alarm, a reminder, an appointment, in your phone, so that it dings to remind you of the commitment you have. At 12.15, ding, you should be praying right now. Oh, yeah. And whatever other conversation, whatever distraction it was that got you, you can set all that aside and spend time with the Lord. The, one of the things that, that we need to do when we, when we follow the, the example of Jesus and we step away and we retreat to be alone with the Lord is we need to, we need to find a way to, to leave our phone behind. And whether you put it on airplane mode or you put it in another room, the dangerous thing is having a Bible app on your phone so that you, you need it to, do, to have personal time, and then it becomes a distraction. Can, can, can you walk through this process with me of, of beginning a very personal, private time praying to the Lord? And you, you begin praying for a minute or two, and you address God, and, and you acknowledge His greatness, and you begin talking, and you begin to come to a place of repentance, ding, and you, you see a text. It's not something important. I don't have to deal with it right now. I can keep praying. Oh, where was I? Oh, okay. And, and you begin the process of, of, of entering back into this prayerful attitude. And after two or three minutes, ding, you, you go to check this other thing. That's a little bit more important, but it still can wait. But think about, if you've got a half hour to spend with the Lord, and that half hour is the same two to three minutes over and over again because you keep getting distracted by nothing, you haven't really grown. You haven't really given God access. You haven't really opened up yourself at all other than wasting 30 minutes of time that could have been better used. When you can dedicate uninterrupted time to the Lord, he has more access to your heart to develop change and bring it about in you because you aren't turning away. You aren't moving your, your thoughts and moving your attention away from God, you, you remain open to his influence and his access. And it's an important part of that, that time as you dedicate it to him. We need to learn to, to practice that process. And as we practice that process, learn how to communicate with God. Most people, when they think about developing a prayer life, they have big questions. What should I say? How should I say it? Are there words that are appropriate for God? Are there, are there words that aren't appropriate for prayer? I don't, I don't even know where to begin. If you're, if you're absolutely unsure, the first best thing you can do is just talk to God like he's your best friend sitting in a chair next to him and share with him the things that are going on in your life. Open up your Bible and turn to the book of Psalms and read one of those passages as if it is your prayer. And let scripture inform you about the way you talk to God. But know that whatever you say to God, he can handle. 
And in order for God to work in your life, you have to surrender all of those feelings to him. If you're angry, you have to tell him. If you're upset, you have to tell him. If you're, if you're struggling with temptation, pour it out. Let him know so that he can help you deal with it, so that he can resolve it in your life. If you hold it back from him, it will remain an obstacle standing between you and him. So as you begin this process, open up your heart, open up your mind, share with God, and just just go through the process of prayer. Now, Scripture is very beneficial because it it continually teaches us about the way we interact with God. And and Jesus took time to teach his disciples about how they should pray. In Matthew chapter 6, we read this this, uh, teaching from Jesus. And many of you probably know the Lord's Prayer. You've memorized it. You could recite it right now. But there's there's other teaching around the Lord's Prayer that's important for us. It begins in in verse 5 of chapter 6. Jesus was teaching his disciples, and he said this, "'When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites.'" For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. And your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. But there's an important and healthy thing that happens as you say it out loud. All you have to do is get right to the point. Now, as we move through this passage, we're going to learn uh, several key points about prayer. The first one is this. Uh, Prayer is not a performance. It's a genuine conversation with the Lord. And it's a struggle we all have, especially when we have to pray out loud. When it's mealtime and you're the one who gets to pray, or you're with a group and you're in a Bible study and say, well, why don't you you pray out loud? And, And Every one of us gets this moment of, oh no, I, everyone is going to hear what I say out loud and they're going to judge me. They're going to, they're going to judge the depth of my spirituality based off this prayer. And that's a lot of pressure. Now, I'm a minister and you better believe people ask me to pray all the time. And I have this same feeling when I pray out loud. What are people going to think about the words that I say? Should I use very spiritual words or should I not use very spiritual words because people think I'm just pretentious? What? What's the best thing for me to say right now? And what I've come to conclude is this. This prayer is not about impressing any of you. Sorry, but it's not. That public prayer is about drawing all of us into the presence of the Lord and helping us grow in Him. If I say the right words for you, great. If I don't, the important thing is that I am genuinely talking to God and that that prayer is a reflection of what my private prayer life is already like. And so I want to encourage you with the struggle I have when I pray out loud. If you've ever felt that way, Stop worrying about it and just talk to God because he's the one that that prayer is for. Now, Jesus continued telling his disciples the the kinds of words they should say when they pray. In in verse 9, he continues, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus is saying that, that we should acknowledge the greatness of God. We should praise him. When we come into his presence, we should, we should tell God our experience. And that experience includes this. One, how great God is. And two, how very different we are from him. And so it begins with saying, God, you're, you're awesome. You're powerful. You, you've created such beauty in, in the world around me. I just can't begin to imagine the depth of your knowledge and wisdom and power 
That, that's the kind of praise that is appropriate because that's who God is. And, and as we encounter the difference between us and God, there's also this, this idea of submitting to his will as all-powerful creator. And that's what Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, just like it's already being done in heaven, that our lives would be lived according to his will, that our decisions would be a reflection of what he wants for us. And as we acknowledge his greatness, we also acknowledge the right he has to rule over our lives. And the appropriate response to that is submission to that will. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11 continues, give us today our daily bread. This is an expression of trust in God's provision. Acknowledging, one, God has already provided for you, and two, that you trust him to keep providing for you. Now, our daily bread is just kind of a general term, acknowledging the things we need, sustenance. But think about what that's saying about your trust in God, that God has everything that you need. And instead of worrying about providing it for yourself, you're willing to depend on God to supply not just the physical things you need, but the spiritual things you need, the eternal things that you need. You know he has them available and you're willing to trust him to supply them in the right and appropriate way. That's a huge expression of trust. Verse 12 continues, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now here's an important aspect of how we grow in the Lord, that we live a life of grace, extending grace into the world around us as we experience grace from him. Not waiting for his grace and then, well, maybe I'll be a forgiving person, but to live our lives full of grace, knowing that we're asking for God's grace as well. And that this is a term that would define our existence, that we would, we would be a forgiving people, that we would care enough about the people around us to extend grace to them and to be reminded of how much we've grown because God was willing to extend grace to us. We become a reflection of him in the lives of other people. And what, what happens when we sacrifice to extend grace is that we help people understand what the grace of God looks like and feels like. And very likely, we invite them to experience his grace because we're willing to be a reflection of it in the way that we treat them. That's a very powerful responsibility that he's given to us. The next thing he told them to say in their prayers is this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so we seek God's help to overcome temptation. What, what a very succinct and, and purposeful way for us to talk to God, that we, would, that we would praise him, we would submit to his will, we would, we would learn to trust him and seek his help to, to be grace-filled people, and that we would Trust his power to help us through temptation. We would ask him for the things that we need. And we would thank him for the way that he provides. It's such, such an important and powerful part of the way that we communicate with him. It's a very purposeful way that we allow him room, allow him access, allow him the right to be our God as we surrender wholeheartedly to him. Maybe last week you made a commitment to develop a life of prayer. I hope that you did. I hope that this sermon about how we pray has been uh, effective in, in helping you develop some of these holy habits. I also want to extend a, a challenge to you. 
to make a commitment today to develop a life of prayer, to begin here and now, opening up your life to the Lord, giving him access to you. I'd like to pray for you in that. If you bow your heads with me, God, we are so glad to know that you are there and that what you want from us is for us to learn to submit to you through the open lines of communication that we consistently, deliberately commit to. God, I pray that you would convict us of our need to begin, that you would remind us of the opportunities in our day to talk to you, and that you would sustain us through that time. God, we're so grateful to know how much you love us and how much you want for us to surrender to you. We thank you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.